KQ. The opinions voiced in the show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and tax advisor or financial advisor prior to investing. Securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice is offered through Private Advisor Group, a registered investment advisor. Private Advisor Group and Warwick Valley Financial Advisors are separate entities from LPL Financial. Good morning and welcome to From Wall Street to Main Street. I'm Ken Ford, president and founder of Warwick Valley Financial Advisors, and I'm, ho- I'm your host this morning. If you're tuning into the program for the first time, the goal of the program is to provide you with information that will help you make more, help you make informed investment decision regarding your personal finances. If you want to call into the show, 651-1110. And today we have a special guest on the line, Jeff Getz from Cara Trading Advisors. Jeff, are you there? Yes, Ken. How are you? Things are good. A little chilly over here, but you're yeah. in Chicago, so you know how that goes. Yes, we're on the same page. So I think we woke up and it was zero degrees out there. <laughs> yeah, I just heard the weather report as I was on hold, so sounds chilly. Nice. So we want to give a, the audience a little background on you, Jeff. You're a, what we would call a professional trader. Would you agree to that statement, I guess? Yeah, I would, uh, I'm a portfolio manager. So when someone is looking at, let's say, their 401k and they see the options of picking different mutual funds, I basically run a portfolio just like those mutual fund managers do, but it's not a mutual fund. So you've been doing this for about 25 years. You started your career, I believe, down on the Chicago Board of Trade, trading for institutions like Goldman Sachs, Merrill Lynch, and I think you've traded almost everything that's tradable over there, huh? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's true. Back in 1989, I got my first membership at the Chicago Board of Trade. Now, what got you into that business? Uh, Well, I was interested in business, and I, uh, when I got out of school, a friend of mine was working down there, said, hey, you might find this interesting, so why don't you come on down? And I started out as a runner, of all things, making $150 $150 a week, and I worked my way up the ladder. So basically, you took a trade from one of the traders and ran it over to one of the specialists or something on the floor, so you were just taking the trade? Correct. So what a runner would do is the the, <clears throat> the trade desk, let's say it was um, Goldman Sachs. They receive a call from their client, and they put an order in into the trading pit. This is back when pits were big, back in the late 80s. And I would be the one to run the order in. So my boss at the time, who ended up being my partner eventually, would fill those orders. So that's, uh, how did you, um, I'm just trying to get a handle of how we can help our audience today. And I brought you on for a specific reason is, I believe that a professional trader like yourself, after reading uh, a newsletter that you put out almost on a daily basis, and then my job is really on the other side of it. I'm dealing with the individual client, you know, hand-holding an individual client through these markets. And what I see you do on a daily basis and what the individual client, I guess, does, you know, there's a big difference 
between what the individual investor is doing wrong and what the professional trader is doing right. And I see this over and over and over again. You know, why do you think that these individual investors get it wrong? And I know you've um, written an ebook that really just gives a background of how an individual has gone through these learning experiences. Do you want to give us a little background on you know, why you wrote the ebook and what you're seeing from the individual investor versus your colleagues that were on the floor and what they do right? Sure. Uh, well, I wrote an ebook to answer a lot of questions that I, I receive from clients or friends um, about trading. And many people end up uh, doing the same thing as others. And, and in the ebook, the example is. It's the end of the year, and so it's December, and the David is the person in the ebook. It's really a short story about David and him going through the process of learning what the markets really are about. So at the beginning, David would turn on financial TV, or in the case in the book, he bought Money Magazine or a, a, some type of a money magazine that had top stocks for the next year. So he bought them. And it just so happened that he bought them because he felt good about the market. So and they the do that, they do that every year. For it's, a long period of time. It's what's, the, yeah, it's what's the best stocks to buy this year, right? Money Magazine, yeah. Kiplinger's, they all put them out. And I actually saved those articles just to look at, at them over the next year. And it's pretty surprising what you see from uh, a year after those articles were written. Right. I mean, the, the writers are putting their best effort into these are the stocks that have the best fundamentals and the best stories, and this is what I think would work. But the problem is, and what happened to David, was the market had already ran up a lot. So he's buying a stock that is overvalued because it's just, frankly, too expensive. So a couple months later, he looks at the stock, and it is, of course, fallen because that's what markets do. But the individual investor tends to buy high because they feel good, and then after the market falls and they're turning on financial TV or reading the newspapers or Yahoo Finance and they see, all oh, the market's down again, and then they pull up their portfolio, and the fear pulls them into or makes them sell those shares at the wrong time, after it's fallen. They need to be buying when the market's low and selling when the market's high. That's the biggest difference between what I do and what individuals do about you know, with, refer with reference to making mistakes. So getting to it, it's individual investors make their decisions regarding what to buy and sell according to emotions, meaning fear and greed. So Correct. getting back to the magazine, the journalists, they're not professional traders or professional financial advisors writing these articles. They go out there and they get their best ideas from the community, and they're normally stocks that have run up a lot, so they feel really good about these, and they buy them and say, wow, everybody loves this, how could the stock be going down? Is that more or less right. what it is? Yes, that's, that's exactly what it is. And what ends up happening is, at a certain point, and it's, it's difficult to... Uh, see when this point is. There's various inputs that I look at to try and determine roughly when this time is. But picture it like this, Ken. Everyone's buying, let's say, you know, Apple stock or some other stock or one of these stocks that this guy in Money Magazine wrote. And there's they've 
everyone owns this stock, and it turns into like a rowboat with people standing up, and they all send, send the ship to one side, and then they fall out of the boat, and the stock falls. There comes a point where too many people like something, and then it falls. Well, I see that all the time because I get phone calls from clients and they've been watching a TV program or reading a magazine and they ask me, what do I think about this? And I say, well, if you owned it last year, you would have made a lot of money. I don't know what's going to happen this year, but yeah, you're buying the hot dot. Right. So it gets back to um, really the methodology that you have set up. You call it the four pillars Can you give us a little background of, I guess you've been trading for 25 years. You've set up a framework for making money. Right. So in over all those years, I've, I've made a lot of mistakes because everybody does. But you can't move forward or learn without making mistakes. So that's, it's, that's why it's taken so long to put this together. So the number one goal for all traders or investors is to build a plan to allocate their assets. So whether it's a short-term, let's say, a day trader, which is not what I am, or a mom and pop sitting behind their computer screen allocating their 401k assets, they need a plan. So I call the four pillars, or I describe it as decision-making architecture that helps build the framework for that plan, and the building blocks of the four pillars are the four pillars of fundamental analysis, technical analysis, sentiment analysis, which is what we just were talking about, and time cycle analysis. And when you combine these four successful standalone strategies into one, I tend to be much more confident in what I'm doing. So they call that a fusion analysis. That's the new terminology on Wall Street, fusion. They're fusing everything together. And really, for 20 years that I've been in this business, Jeff, Wall Street, my peer group, really only rests their, you know, chips on one of those pillars, which is fundamentals. And they go back and they quote Warren Buffett, who's a famous investor, and say, he analyzes companies, he analyzes the management, he analyzes the product of the company, and he buys the particular company based on all of these fundamentals. And that's what we've been taught for 20 years. But if you had to buy something today, would you be using the fundamentals? Or what do you think is the strongest of these pillars and which one do you like the most for really, you know, short term, intermediate term? What do you think makes money in these markets? Is it the fundamentals? Is it the technicals that is the charts? Is it the sentiment? And then you use time, which I guess you're, you know, lack of a better word, you are timing the market a little bit. What do you think is the strongest um, of these pillars or is it just a combination of them? Well, it's a combination, but but the way that I use them is I look at them or focus on different a different pillar at a different time period. The markets are driven by sentiment. So explain Green sentiment. Green describes Expl- the markets and time cycles and technical analysis. Both are different ways of measuring sentiment. So sentiment so is psychology the of the market, right? The the psychology of investors regarding an asset or a stock or a bond or something along those lines. Correct. So when people get fearful 
and I'll give you an example of what's been happening the last six, seven months, is the price of oil has been dropping. So seven months ago, you pick up Money Magazine, and I actually heard an analyst say that we were going to go to 150 on oil. And if you went in there and you looked at you know some of these oil companies, Exxon, Mobil, Chevron, these aren't recommendations. I'm just naming uh, oil companies. And all the fundamentals, I think, were good back then, Jeff, right? For those oil companies, $110 a barrel, they were making a ton of money. And let's go out there and buy one of these companies that make a ton of money when oil's at 110 What was the four pil- pillars looking like seven months ago? And why should an investor not just rely on fundamentals? Well, I think what happens with a lot of analysts is that they are, <clears throat> like when looking at those major companies that you mentioned, like an ExxonMobil, they are looking at... Uh, supply demand on the underlying asset, in this case crude, and then they look forward to earnings for that for those companies. And what ends up happening is when analysts are coming out, and I remember the last time gold or uh, oil fell a few years ago, uh, Goldman came out and said that it was going to $200 a barrel. It seems that when analysts come out and make these brash calls about where something is going, that's usually a top. Just like when gold was trading at $1,800 an ounce, that's when all the articles were being thrown out on TV about how gold was going to $5,000 an ounce. So what ends up happening is mom and pop turn on TV, they think gold's going to 200 so they buy ExxonMobil at the top. Yeah. Gold's going to 5000 they buy Gold Corp or Newmont Mining or some company at the top. I see. That's, yeah, I see that's it really all over. How the markets work. Every time the individual hears something and they don't sit there and rationalize it, I always give an example that you know somewhere around the holidays everybody goes shopping for presents. And why do they buy more is because the retail stores have something like Black Friday, fifty percent off sales. Um, and everybody likes a sale, except when it happens on Wall Street. So when they see a stock, you know, oil stocks are down 50% in six to seven months. I know some of them are down, Jeff, 80, 90%. Some of these smaller oil companies are just getting trashed, and nobody wants to shop for them. And that's how the way Wall Street works. When we mark up the products, like Apple is doing tremendous. Apple's stock has gone up tenfold in the last 10 years, maybe even more. And everybody wants to buy Apple. And nobody wants to go into the oil field sector and go and see fundamental companies in there and go shop on sale. And that's really, I guess, what your framework helps you do. Is that correct? Yes. Part of the framework helps to to uh, determine whether or not stocks are overbought or oversold, so or overowned or underowned. So there are various indicators uh, to look at that will tell you whether or not, for example, you mentioned energy stocks. Well, how low are they going to go? There's certain indicators that we look at to determine when that decline is likely over. And then it's about money management techniques. If you're wrong, which we often are, you need to get out. And that's the key to building your portfolio with less risk. I think that's the number one mistake 
that an individual makes is they buy into an investment, it goes down, and they don't have a plan in case they were wrong to get out of that investor, investment. But professionals like yourself have that already in their mind before they ever make the trade. Is that correct? Yes. The, the individual, that's, that's I already know where I'm going to get out in case I'm wrong. Um, you know, we, we try to focus on higher probability trades, but higher probability does not guarantee anything. There's no guarantee in trading. And the, the so I already know when I'm going to get out of the trade before I buy it. The individual, their strategy is a strategy of hope. After a while, they'll go, oh, my gosh, God, I hope this goes higher so I can get out of it. And it keeps falling, and then they just, you know, bury their head in the sand. And they want to get rid of it because they're embarrassed. They're like, oh, how did I own that? I lost so much money. Just get it out of my portfolio. Oh, geez, what did I do? Right? Right. That's what they say. Right. And then, so they sell it below. That's the capitulation that I look for. You're on the other side. You're waiting for individuals. And I guess the example is today uh, is the price of gold because we had a great jobs number um, has dropped. I think it was two, two and a quarter percent today. And gold has been the number one performing asset year to date. Uh, I don't think there's many asset classes that have kept up with gold and gold miners. And everybody was getting excited. I think they were up, what, 30, 35 percent in like 30 days, Jeff, the gold mining index. Uh, it depends on the index, but yeah, you're dozens of percent, correct. So the way you were viewing that is everybody was chasing it. Everybody said, wow, 30%, let's let it keep on going. But you had a little bit different plan that you had set up, right? Right. So what I wrote about, and this is probably what you're referring to, is the gold miners had ran up a lot. And, and by the way, I don't have any emotional attachment to stocks, bonds, gold, oil. It means nothing to me. All I care about is making money for the client in the most risk-averse way. So in this case, um, I wrote in the report, and you mentioned chasing, uh, that chasers get punished. And this is the time for us to not be excited about gold when I turn on TV and I hear that others are. This is the time to start taking gains, taking some money off the table. Yeah. So that's what we did. So Yeah, then I think the gold mine index is off something like 10% in a week and anybody that chased it is now down 10%. They don't know what they they're doing now. They probably fear will take over if they're not professionals. Um, but what you're telling the audience, I've been a financial advisor for, for 20 years and the old mantra is buy and hold good companies, never sell them, hold them for the long run. And I think one of the most dangerous things in life is that when someone believes something to be true and it actually is false. So in my opinion, you know, looking at what do you think investors think is true but really is false? And that's what I think hurts them the most. And it gets back to what all financial advisors are taught, buy and hold these investment products. But you as a professional trader are going against that. Why, why, why do you think that's wrong? Why do you think, why do I think that, that buy and hold is wrong? Yeah, why, you know, that's what we're taught as financial professionals in my right. industry. I'm not a trader, I'm an advisor, so I'm advising individuals on financial planning and what investment 
portfolios to set up. And you're on the other side of that. So I don't think when you were on the uh, Chicago Board of Trade that anybody told you to buy and hold. But that's what we as financial professionals, we as individual investors are taught and told is, is true. Right. Well, there's two thoughts I have on this. First, when people say that they're in it for the long run and then the market starts to fall, a few months down the road, they're no longer in it for the long haul. They're not, their time frame shortens, and that's when they sell at the low, when maybe they should have been holding on at that point because the market had fallen. In other words, their individual psychology forces them, and it's human nature, forces them to do the wrong thing at the wrong time. Okay, so what I learned in the trading pits on a daily basis, because our time frames were, you know, intraday, uh, was to understand how my emotions affect how my trading decisions are made. So I would basically fade those emotions, meaning when I was fearful, I'd know that I'd need to be looking to get long, just like the individual who had a long-term time frame who's now looking to sell out of this portfolio exactly at the wrong time. The second thought on this is is that the buy and hold what Wall Street pushes is buy and hold because they want your assets to sit there in their house earning fees. Now what they don't tell you is that since nineteen hundred there have been four bull and four bear markets. So four up and four down markets and they last right. for a long time, right? Yeah, so that the average bear market and it might be a sideways bear market like the 70s bear market was. And that went sideways uh, for last, how you know, long? Last 11 years, I believe, 11 and a half or something. Wow. Imagine going nowhere for 11 and a half years, um, and that makes an investor like, I haven't made money in 11 years. Jeez, what do I do? And they throw in the towel and say, let's move on to something else like bonds. Bonds were doing well, so let's go to bonds, and stocks weren't doing well. And I think that's the reason why the individuals – you know, the statistics tell me individual investors really have underperformed these markets greatly over the last 10, 15 years. And the reason, I think, is what Warren Buffett says, is be greedy when everybody's fearful, fearful when everybody's greedy. And the individual investor does the exact opposite of that particular advice of Warren Buffett. Is it, now, yeah, I would agree with that. And, and it's hard. I think fear is a bigger motivator than greed. And when you open your account statement and you had, I don't know, $100,000 um, average, and all of a sudden you see it at $80,000, you start to panic. Oh, this is my retirement. Oh, my God, I can't lose this money. And you start doing exactly opposite of what you would do during Christmas time when you went into Best Buy. When the TV was $1,000, now it's at 500 a 50% drop, you say, wow, <laughs> 500, I, I don't have to pay 1,000, I can pay 500 now. But the individual investor, when they deal with their investments, they panic. Um, I doubt if, you, Jeff, if you went to Best Buy and you bought a TV for $1,000 and three weeks later it was at 500, would you go back and say, hey, I'll sell this for 500 to anybody on the street that wants it because this must not be good. It just wouldn't happen in reality, right? Right. Um, and it's, it's funny how you use Warren Buffett quote, when Warren Buffett, as you mentioned earlier, looks at fundamentals, and yet his quote on how to actually trade the market, because that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about buying a long-term asset or a, a company 
with valuations that are low and correct fundamentals. What he's saying is you need to measure sentiment. Exactly what we're saying. This is what drives the market is sentiment. So the best time to buy the market is when everybody hates that particular asset class. And there's a good chance that, like oil today, there's a good chance that you may make money over the next year or two when everybody gets rid of it, right? Correct. But you have to know when when, <laughs> when it stopped dropping. Yeah. You can't just buy, and they call that in the industry, catching a falling knife. Oh. You can't buy something because it was just simply lower than it was the day before. Well, if anybody's listening, I'm going to tell you how to basically time the market. Is Jeff has a newsletter that goes out almost every single night, Jeff. I think you put it out Monday through Fridays, and then there's a weekend report. for so six days a week, okay? Six out of seven days, he is writing about the markets and telling you what's really going on underneath the surface. Jeff, tell the audience if they want to get your newsletter, how do they do that? Uh, well, go to uh, the website, which is Bill Cara. B I L L C A R A. B I L L C A R A. If you Google that, you'll come to the website. And then there's a tab that says Trader Wizard. And that would be you. That would, well, actually, the. The publishing company is called Trader Wizard. The newsletter that we are currently publishing is Before Pillars. So if you go to the Trader Wizard tab, there's only one newsletter available at this time, and it's mine. Okay. And that's uh, approximately how much, do- how much a month? $59 a month. $59, and Jeff will give you his insights into the market. If you missed any of that, I will get you a link. Just give me uh, an email or call at my office, 65 Main Street, the Clock Tower Building. Six. Uh, you can reach me at 981-7300. Jeff, I thank you for spending the time with me. Now get back to the markets and go watch our money. Great. Thanks a lot, Ken. Have a great weekend. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC.